Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing? <laughs> Good to see all of you again. What a beautiful family. Thank God for my wife and all that she does. She's amazing. Listen, we're going to start a new series today called Truish. It's just kind of my jab, my poke at trying to, you know, uh, get a message, a point across to you. You see, there are things we believe they're true-ish, you know, like ish, right, you know? And, and there's more ish than the truth, right? So, you know, there are these words from a fam famous song, it can't be wrong when it feels so right. Uh, so I'm going to give you, a, anybody get the song off the top of your head? It can't be wrong when it feels so right. Probably the foundational, the foundation for many lyrics of many songs, right? But in particular, I'll give you some clues, okay? One, it's Jim Murphy's favorite song. Any? Okay, doesn't help you. All right, two, it came out in the 70s. Oh, very good. Harry, you're crazy, man, right? <laughs> that just shows you how, how close Harry and Jim are, right? I didn't even get to number three. I'm, number three was Debbie Boone sang it, right? And, and, and Jim actually looks a lot, Jim in the 70s looked a lot, lot like Debbie Boone did in the 70s. If you ever saw a picture of Jim with the long blonde hair and the, the puckery smile and the whole thing, right? Now, the, 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 you, the, by the way, it was one of the most successful songs of the 70s. I'm thinking Stairway to Heaven, right? Nah, Debbie Boone. Okay. Now, look, the thing about the song, those words of the song, it can't be wrong when it feels so right, is that sort of began a way of viewing life. It, it kind of was the epitome of the culture that in the 70s that has kept going till our present day, Right? It can't be wrong if it feels so right. And so from that way of thinking, we make decisions from our emotions and our feelings. Huh? And the thing is, feelings can be deceptive. Now hang in here with me because I'm going to kind of go a little bit deeper a little bit later on. We're going to unwrap that. You see, this series is intended to help you separate lies from the truth. But maybe lies that you might not even know exist, that you've kind of, that have just settled in there. And it's important because if you do that, it's going to improve the quality of your life significantly. It's going to bring you into a greater relation with God. You'll understand God in a greater way. And that's a deep conversation because we live in a culture that continually is influencing us or telling us to think with our feelings. And as your pastor, I know many of you think with your feelings. Because you know I'm always bringing that correction, right? And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Like, okay, what do you mean? Did you, did you think that or did you feel that? Much of, our found, much of the foundation of our worldview, our thinking, comes from this way of being. We build our perception of our world and, 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 and we communi communicate in our marriage from this way of being and thinking. And so that's a problem because it creates an unstable and unreliable and inconsistent and foundation in our life, perhaps even in our faith. Let's watch a video. We'll jump back. It's Canada's first billion-dollar disaster and the deadliest in more than 40 years. An entire town in southeastern Quebec is being washed away. Reservoirs and rivers are overflowing. Dikes erode into mudslides, 
and raging waters rip through cliff sides, bridges, and buildings. The flood-prone area receives 12 inches of rain in just 48 hours. It was a catastrophic situation, almost unreal. Saguenay resident Sylvain Jeunesse can only watch as the deluge takes over the city and surrounds his grandmother's house. We are talking about 1,500 cubic meters of water per second. It's the equivalent of the water volume of Niagara Falls. Sylvain's grandmother and 16,000 other people are evacuated, leaving their property and personal belongings behind. But 10 others, including two children, do not make it out alive. House after house comes tumbling down. Nearly 2,000 structures are damaged or destroyed. But thanks to a sturdy foundation, one home is left standing. It belongs to Sylvain's grandmother. This is a maquette showing the neighborhood exactly how it was before the flood. You can see here the little white house. Today, the Genest family home is a museum. It stands as a reminder of one of the most destructive floods in Canadian history. All right, so French Canadians, they can't do much, but they can build foundations, I guess, right? My affection to my French-Canadian friends, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my wife. I don't want to hear that my children are part French-Canadian. They're Italian, they're Irish, they're Jewish, but they're not French-Canadian. So listen, so you picture this. You know, when we picture a house, you know, we, we think of things to do, for the most part, that would make our house more attractive, you know, things that we could decorate, especially the exterior of the house, to make it more appealing to different degrees and other. I mean, no kidding, my, when we were building our homes, we built my in-law's house next to our home, and my mother-in-law became like a fanatic about the outside of her house, and she wanted more windows. My mother-in-law has more windows in her house than the John Hancock building in Boston. It's true. Count them. And you know, there's really only three sides, because one side kind of attaches to the garage. But look, we, but we do this, and, and what I want you to get is this, is that it's not the decoration that makes the house strong. It's the foundation, correct? And the same thing applies to our lives. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with looking good, but we, we spend a lot of effort and thought about decorating our lives to different degrees and, and how we look and what's you know, involved in our lives and how people perceive us. But it's the foundation that's most important. It's, listen, it's in the foundation, not the decoration that give your life strength, that will give your life strength. You understand that? And today we're talking about foundation. We're talking about that because Jesus talked about and emphasized the importance of a good, strong, spiritual foundation. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And Jesus speaking says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Why did the house fall? Now, your, your first thought might be, well, the storm... But there were two houses, only one came down, same storm. It must have been that they had different foundations. And Jesus is talking about this. 
And it's why he gives us a description of the foundation of each home. Jesus is saying this, if you hear the words I speak and if you apply them to your life, you're going to have a solid foundation. It's going to be rock solid. When the storms come and the storms do come in your life and they come into your dreams, your health, your marriage, overall life, when they come and they will come, they will test you. They will stress you. And if your life is built on God's word, on the words Jesus gives to us in Scripture, not the truish thoughts which produce suspect feelings, right? Then you will be able to not only withstand the, strong, the storm, but you'll grow stronger in the storm. That's biblical truth. On the, other, on the other hand, if you hear the words of Jesus and you don't value them, you put them aside, you don't apply them to your life, but instead hold on to those truish thoughts, then you're going to have a flawed foundation, kind of an, an immature, if you will, foundation. A foundation that lacks integrity and consistency and under pressure and under the storms, it's going to stress and it's going to crack and at times it's going to fail. So it's September, right? And I know it means different things, you know, back to school and soccer. As a pastor, you know what it means? It means my phone will begin to blow up. I know my phone blows up all the time. I'm a hands-on pastor. I love being involved in people's lives. It's what I feel God has called me to do. But especially in September, people are more depressed in September. They're more angry in September. Stuff is coming down on them more and more in September. And really what it is is, you know, that the summer is over now. And life is, you know, there's less distraction. And lots of times you might hear of like seasonal depression. I'm not mocking that at all, I'm, uh, you know. Or, or, you know, what it is, people go into this deep funk or somehow the emotions come to this place going into the winter. That actually starts in September because I see it as I interact with people and I counsel them and I'm involved in, my li in their life. And I'm telling you and I'm bringing you to you today, if you will absorb this, if you take this on, you will have a better fall and a better winter. You will end out 2018 in a great way, huh? As those seconds are ticking and the ball drops, I'm from New York. The ball drops on New Year's, right? You will feel better than you've ever felt about yourself. You will have a greater understanding of God than you ever did. Because, you know, you now examine and been aware of these truish-ish thoughts. And now instead you've replaced those true-ish thoughts with God's word and God's promises and God's truth. And you're building the foundation of who you are as a human being and how you see this world from that place. We're going to get more to that. So what Jesus is saying is Matthew chapter 7 is this. Trust in God, not your feelings. And it's quiet because many of you don't do that, right? It's Chair City Church. We, we kind of poke people. We shake people up a bit. We get to it. Somebody sent me an email about a month ago and said, you know, when we're going through that, when, you know, when God doesn't make sense and it was pretty intense and we just got to it, you know, that, that it really had a significant effect on their life and who they were. And they thanked me for slapping them around, huh? Right? But look, we want to see you get better. We want to see you grow in your relationship with God. We want to see your marriage better, your relationships better. We don't want to see you kicking it out of here 15, 20 years and your kids aren't happy with you, think less of your faith, your marriage is tired and weary, you're doing the same thing over and over, just getting by with just the same old way of being. No, that's not your city church, right? 
We, every day, in every way, what, 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 what? Yeah, my wife, come on now. Every day, in every way, we are getting better and better and better. My wife knows that because why? Because it's hung up in, on the walls of my home. My kids have it. Every one of my kids have it in their bedrooms. We have it every day in every way. With God's help, we are getting better and better. And this is what we want for you. When you look to answers of what's happening in your life, your marriage, creation, sexuality, grieving, racism, what do you look to for the answer? Do you truly look to the Word of God and then take what's happening the decision you have to make, the elements which involved in, in the circumstances, and then bring them to your faith? Or do you just have these truish thoughts, and then you go to your feelings, and your feelings, of course, justify those truish thoughts, right? See, that's what the feelings do for us. That's why Jesus says, do not trust your feelings, because your feeling will say, oh, you know that thought up there? It's right. It's got to be right, because I feel it. James Brown, huh? I won't do it, honey. I won't do it. It came on me. It's my mind. I want to do it, but I won't. I won't embarrass you right now. It'd be entirely inappropriate and totally out of context. But some of you who know James Brown know exactly what I'm thinking right now, right? Okay. Getting back. Where was I? Oh, no. I had a James Brown moment. Listen, that's how, that's the importance of not having the ish thoughts, the unreliable, untrue, almost always lies from our enemy thoughts. Because then those feelings, and that's the importance, and then they create feelings, and we're used to going to those feelings which justify the thoughts, and now we say, okay, now we can move forward with our actions because we think, we feel, and we do. We do, right? And we say something hurtful, or we just explode, or we turn around and implode, and we get worse, we don't get better. And the storms come, and they're coming in, and we just, we, that foundation is not good, and we just seemingly come apart, and then we just start doubling down and going back to how we know to do it, and more and more, it's getting worse and worse, and God has called us to get stronger and stronger, and it's not what's happening. You see, Jesus says, trust in God. The world says what? The culture says what? Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Right? That's what culture tells us. Be true to yourself. What is that telling us when it says be true to yourself? It's saying to look inside yourself, right? To go inside yourself and then ask yourself the question right now based on what they did, what's happening, what's coming out of what I perceive. I'm going to ask myself the question as I go inside, how do I feel, right? How do I feel? I mean, and now that I know how I feel, it's got to be legitimate, right? And I'm going to be true to that feeling and true to myself. The result is, then truth, what is truth, will surrender to your feelings. What is truly happening, what God truly wants you to see, will be subordinate to your feelings. Get this. Truth surrenders to feeling because it can't be wrong if it feels so right. So we make these decisions in our life foundational decisions. We come to a way of thinking and a way of responding to things because we know that what we feel is true and right and we have to be true to ourselves. Now, I'm sure you thought about it exactly this way all the time, right? <laughs> you probably haven't and it's a bit deep, but it's just so true. 
And in a sense, it's consistent with how God's built us. It's, it we're just not functioning in the way he made us to glorify him. We have an adversary. We have an enemy. He is the father of what? He's the father of lies. He roams and he what? He roars, man. Meaning he's speaking that, that stuff into your head, though, that truish stuff. Jesus steps up and he teaches something different. Jesus said, instead of being true to yourself, be true to your creator. Be true to the one true God. Be true to your father in you are created by God in the image of God. He breathed his spirit into you. It is your spirit that should reign. It is the spirit that you should feed with thoughts of thanksgiving and thoughts of joy. And you will never see the two inhabit the same place in your mind. You cannot be angry and thankful to God at the same time. You cannot. Well, I should say you cannot have an angry thought, an untrue thought. Philippians talks about in 4.8 to think on things that are trustworthy, noble, pure. You can't be doing that and have feelings of anger. You cannot. So that's why God calls us to go outside ourselves, not inside ourselves. God's calling us to go beyond ourselves, right? can sound scary at first. But he's calling us to trust in him and go beyond ourselves, to, to transcend circumstances, to transcend our past, to transcend what we are used to holding on and how we're accustomed to functioning. Leave it alone. Go beyond all of this and trust in my word. What does that mean, Dave? That means whatever you're dealing with, whatever is happening, pause. Take that and then begin to bring it to the word of God. Flip through the pages. Consider what you know already. Often God would have put his truth in you that's going to line up with that word. And then, and then fill your mind with true, not ish, but true thoughts that are consistent with your faith, that honor God, not dismiss him or decrease him, but honor him. And then see the emotions that come upon you. And then you're now making decisions from a good foundation. And that's a, that's a good thing because let me tell you something. Let me tell you what I have. I don't know about you. Right? But I'm pretty sure this is like an American thing, a Haitian thing, French-Canadian thing without question. But it's how... You're laughing, you French-Canadians, but I haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> you know? Listen, we as human beings, we have selfish ambitions. We have, we, we have vain conceit. We have sinful desires. Now, where did I get that from? I got it from Scripture. It's all over Romans, Ephesians. This is what the Bible tells us. It tells us these things are within ourselves. And if we turn inside ourselves and we lean to ourselves, we're going to get from that mess. Those are the, we're going to get a whole bunch of cruddy, disruptive, unreliable, untruthful thoughts. So we want to turn to God and ask ourselves, what does God say about what's going on right now in my marriage, in my career, in my relationships? And we want to run it through our faith. You see, because when I base my decision on what God says, that my feelings surrender to the truth, right? That's where you want to be. You can have a great, solid foundation. Get, in, get outside yourself and trust God. 
So when you do that, and now you're trusting in your feelings more than God, and you think, oh, okay, but I've mucked this up already. I've been living this way for five years, 10 years, 30, 20, whatever. Then the time has come now to repair your foundation, yes? God is perfect. We are not, right? His plan is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. Listen, none of us have it all together. No way, no how. We are here at Chair City Church. We are not a museum. We are what? We are an emergency room. Man, I'm going to start putting some stuff out there in the brownies or something like that for you. Okay? We are an emergency room. I'm sure you will. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> we are meaning we're an emergency room. Meaning we being used of God, serving God, wanting to glorify God, meaning it's not us, but it's him, that we are, in, we are an instrument in, in his hands to be placed in the path of people who come in here to see them know God in a greater way, that God would implant in them courage to turn around and begin to live out in a different way, that God would implant courage in them, that God would draw them closer to him and they would see their need of him and come to know him and begin to see the world in a different way, and then they would get better and better in every way. And they would begin to repair the foundation of their life. Listen, God helps us and God guides us. Even today, he's guiding you. He is by his Holy Spirit. He is upon you and guiding you and leading you to surrender to his truth and to put aside your feelings. And you'll see there's a resistance and then you know there's an enemy. And you know how much it's rooted in you when you begin to turn around and just resist to do that. And you'll be like, well, baby, wait a minute, hold on. I want to feed this wolf, man. I want to keep feeding. No, 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 no. You got to put that aside. You got to trust in God now. You got to hear what he's saying to you, what is true, what is right, what is trustworthy, what is pure, what is noble. Listen, let me tell you a truth about God. Let me tell you, I tell you what, let me tell you a truth you might think about God that might keep you kind of hovering around this way of being, and that is God's love must be earned. It's just so untrue, and I know many of you say, yeah, I know that, but you, you know, I, I know you know that, and I know you'll say that, and you'll affirm it with me, but do you live out that life, the way you approach God, the way you handle people in your family, the way you know God, the way you respond to what's going on in your life, would that statement hold water, that you truly believe God's love must be earned, or do you think you've got to go after it, you've got to get it, you've got to earn it, you've got to be that good enough, you've got to make something happen. That's just a lie from the enemy, that's deceit. Jesus did it. It's done. God's love is not to be earned by you, and it cannot be earned by you. And for those who are on the other side thinking, I earned it. Well, you're self-righteous now. What the heck? It's late. It's a Sunday, second service. Let me just do it, right? You're just self-righteous. You're thinking, I got it. I'm that good, but others are not. But you don't got it, and you're not that good, and that's self-righteous. That's the other side of this ugliness, this untrustworthy, not noble, not honorable thought that's truish in our minds, right? But I'll tell you this. Romans chapter 5, 8 tells us this. 
But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's right, Christ, not when we were so great, not when we were doing so good, but when Dave was sinning, not when Dave was preaching his guts out and touching people's lives, that, you know, no, when Dave was sinning, when Dave was thinking that terrible stuff, when Dave was screwing up, when Dave went in a terrible place, that's when Jesus died for me, and that's when I need him the most, yes? That's when his love becomes so paramount to me. God loves you. God is not against you. He is for you. I want you to know this this morning. I want you to put this thought in your mind right now. I am loved by God, and I do not earn my salvation, and I humbly receive it this morning. I humbly receive it. I am not thinking of myself. I am not going inside myself. I am just sitting and standing before the one true God, basking in thanksgiving and thanking him for calling me to him right now and pouring his love into my life. And that's, what, that's part of my foundation right there. Every thought that comes into my mind has got to be taken and be run through that truth. You are significant. Your life has meaning. It's so meaningful that you don't want to waste another brain cell on some thought that's truish. I want you to hear that this morning. I am loved by God. I want you to receive it this morning. I want you to truly right now just pause. And whatever it is that you're dealing with this morning, whatever you came in here this morning with, Whatever you're trying to hold off with all you can, not to be distracted, but you know he's waiting for you on the other side of those doors today, I want you to first run that thought through this. I am loved by God. This is my foundation. I am loved by God. I am a child of God. This is the truth. I want you to see and know the foundations of your faith and your life being repaired by that truth. God loved me. God has called me. I will honor God in my thoughts. It is a lie to think that God has called you to live a storm-free life. That's just not biblical. God did not promise you a storm-free life. Huh? God promised you peace. God promised you eternity. But God does promise to make you stronger in the storm. And with that way of thinking, you will become stronger in the storm. Heck, you'll probably avoid a lot of storms that we cause ourselves, right, if you're Dave Trelongo. In the midst of your storm, do not turn away from God. Do not turn on him. Turn to him. So we're going to close it out today. I hope that I've given you some words. I'd like to believe I've given you some words that you could build your life on, that you can leave here today and now build a better marriage on. You could build better relationships on. You could just build a better you on this. And here they are. It is the foundation, not the decoration, that gives you a stronger life. Trust in God, not your feelings, and repair your foundation. I believe you today will leave here better than when you came in. And if you came in today and you did not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, huh? Meaning you, meaning you didn't have this close, intimate relation with Jesus. He wasn't a prominent part of your thinking, huh? let alone your foundation. But today you're going to build a new foundation. Today you're going to begin to rebuild, to restore your life, how you see this world, what your thinking is. Now better feelings, better emotions, and better actions. And you're going to do that today by professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, by turning away from the way you've been living 
and turning to God. By crying out to God right now, as I say these words, you embrace them, that God, my Father, you have awakened me to my need of you. Thank you. God, I do need you. And I need your forgiveness right now. Just, I, I don't want to bury myself and go back to this. No, no, no. I need your forgiveness. Listen, I take, I receive your forgiveness right now of my sins, of living the way, uh, living apart from you, of missing the mark. But I turn to you with great expectation, O oh God, with enthusiasm, with boldness, O oh God, to your throne of mercy and grace. And I receive new life as I trust in Jesus and, and now set out to follow him from a new way of thinking, truth and greater feelings, peace and joy and happiness and courage. I speak that into everything that's happening in my life right now because I am not alone, but you, God, are with me. Now, if that's your prayer and you believe that, you have a card, a connection card. On the back, it says, my next steps. This is the great step of all of us. This is why we're here. I think a third to maybe 40% of the people that are part of Church City Church have made this step here. I love my church. You want to check the box off that says, I've decided to start a new relationship with Jesus. Maybe perhaps you're saying, well, you know, I, this is not how I was living out my faith in God. No more. No more. It ends today. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. I'm going to renew my relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to check that box off. You want to take that card to the guest services table, and they're going to give you a package. It's got a Bible, some gifts, and it's going to get you going to give you traction. And we thank God for what he's doing in your life. I do not understand all of God's ways. I just don't. But I know that he is good, and I know that he loves you. And I know that if you build your foundation on him, you will be stronger than the storm. To God be the glory.